everybody, and welcome to Brainwaves Podcast. I'm your host, Thea Campbell. Let's get started. Welcome to part one of my story. So in 2015, I went to the doctors for unusual handshaking, and I didn't have an MRI and I was officially diagnosed with essential benign tremors. And then I went to a neurologist, and she did the typical tremor tests of drawing circles and a quick neuro exam. And everything was fine until I went to school in 2019. I started college. I was on the college weightlifting team and was just living my life the way I wanted to. And I noticed in November of 2019, I started to do these weird eye twitches where I could be looking at you and talking to you, but my eyes felt like they were moving back and forth in my head, but you would have no idea this was going on. And then they started to progress and they started to wake me up in the middle of the night And I was doing the same thing. My eyes were moving back and forth. And it was just strange and kind of weird. And then it started happening more. I was at the gym and one night I was working out and I missed a lift. And I remember going to the floor and just putting my head on the floor. And I knew something was happening, but I wasn't sure. And I just told my friend, I was like, this isn't normal. Like, can you tell something's going on with my eyes? And she was like, no, like, you look completely normal. So that's when I was like, this is, this is not right. So I told my mom and I made my first doctor's appointment. And little did I know, um, I would have a lot more coming up. So I went to the doctors and he looked at my history and thought it was just my tremors. He pretty much told me to do the same tests that I did with the neurologist and I did and they came back the same. No MRIs, nothing and he prescribed me a medication that was supposed to help my tremors. And he told me to take it when I felt a tremor was coming on, but it was really hard for me to tell when these episodes were going to happen. Um, So I just started taking the medication and then the summer came and nothing changed and it was weird, but we kept going. And then 2009 or 2020 um, is when everything kind of really started to happen. Um, My symptoms got worse over summer. Um, I started to do this thing where I would move my head to the right and stare And I knew it was going on around me. I was aware, but I couldn't respond. 
Um, yeah, I could smile and pretend like everything was okay. Like I was just looking to the right at something. Um, and I did a lot of pretending like nothing was happening and it got tiring and then things started to progress and it started to happen at the gym when I was lifting, like not when I was in the middle of a lift, but like on my breaks. And then my arm started to get numb as I was looking to the right and staring. My arm would get numb and I would have to grab it with my left arm. And then I noticed I felt like my head was shaking. Little shakes, but still shaking. I still pretended like nothing was going on. Pretended it was normal. Um, Was just going through the motions, blamed it on stress, blamed it on not taking care of my body properly, not having access to ice baths like I did at school. This was after they sent us home from school because of COVID is when I started to notice everything getting worse. So this is the summer of 2020. So I would grab my right arm with my left arm until it stopped and it would usually last about 30 minutes or 30 seconds sorry and I knew something wasn't right but I wasn't it wasn't really affecting me to the point where it got to later so I told my mom and then I told my friend and she's like you need to see somebody. This is, this could be seizures. And I was like, no, there's no way these are seizures because I was thinking of grandma seizures. And at the time I had no idea that they were different types of seizures. I just thought of the ones where people lost control of their entire body. So eventually I was like, you know what? Let's make an appointment. What's the worst that's going to happen? We're going to figure out what's going on so we can fix it. So I made an appointment with my primary care doctor, and it was moved three times. I personally think the doctor had COVID, but whatever. And finally, the PA called me or his fill-in doctor called me. And I was talking to them and I was describing my symptoms and how my head would turn and shake and my arm would go numb and just these odd things that were happening and how often they were happening. They started to happen more and more and how I was just not feeling right about the whole situation. So the doctor instantly decided that I needed to see a neurologist. So a week or two later, um, my mom and I met virtually with a neurologist and I described my symptoms again and told the neurologist how often they were happening. And it was pretty obvious that I needed to go have tests done at the hospital to see if that led us to any 
explanation of what was going on. So the first test I had um, was an MRI. And I will forever remember this date because I competed two days before on Halloween in Morgan Hill. And I wasn't able to stay Sunday night because I needed to make it home for my MRI Monday morning. And I did. Um, I had another friend prepare me for an MRI by telling me that I'm going to have to change and that there's going to be loud sounds and it's going to be strange. There's going to be a thing super close to my head that's going to be holding me super still and not to be scared and it's going to be tight. So I walked in to get my first MRI, got changed, and was placed on the bed um, and covered up in a blanket. They put the headpiece on, and if you've had a brain MRI, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I closed my eyes and was sent into the tube. I was honestly really comfortable until the tech came on the radio and was telling me that they're going to have to do more pictures, that the radiologist had found something, and that they were going to need to give me a shot of contrast. So she comes in, and she gives me the contrast. Instantly, I started tasting metal, (laughs) and I knew something was going on um, that the radiologist saw something in my brain. Um, But I knew in that instant that if I thought of negative things or things that weren't as positive, then that was going to set me back in the whole journey that was ahead of me, the unknown. Honestly, we didn't know what it was at this point. I was literally getting the MRI done. My mom still had no idea that I got contrast. So I finished the MRI. I go get changed and I tell my mom, yeah, mom, you know how one of our friends gets contrast for her MRI? Yeah. Well, I had to get contrast too. And it was, it was kind of scary, but also just whatever. Um, because we didn't really know much at the time. So I was waiting for the doctor to call or for our meeting the next week. So after the MRI were the next Thursday or the next Tuesday, I was scheduled for an EEG. So I had to be sleep deprived. Um, You have to wash your hair a special way. And they're going to do all of these tests that try to induce seizures. So I went and I was attached to the EEG with all of these electrodes to my head. They did a red strobing light um, thing that's supposed to induce seizures a hyperventilation breathing exercise, 
And then I fell asleep because I was sleep deprived and they wanted me to nap. And this time I did my right arm and look thing where I turn my head to the right and shake and grab my right arm with my left arm. And then I tried to fall back asleep again. And the tests are usually only 30 minutes. So then the tech came in, unhooked me, and I thought it was a success. Um, They got what they needed. They should be able to see what it is. I was still not thinking it was a seizure. I didn't know what it was going to show. The next day, I get a call that the machine that recorded my EEG couldn't process the information, like it misread everything, and that I needed to go back in and do another sleep deprivation EEG. So that meant another night of four hours of sleep and more simulation of red lights and hyperventilation and a nap in a not comfy bed. (laughs) So I think it was the next or that Thursday um, I needed to be at Kaiser. So I went in to Kaiser, the same EEG lab with the same tech, and I didn't know that my life was about to change. And what was about to happen was going to change everything. Um, So we placed the electrodes. I did the light thing, did the hyperventilation, and then I was free to take a nap. And if you have seizures, I just want to warn you that the next um, couple minutes might be hard to listen to. I'm going to describe what it's like for me to have a really bad seizure. So it was 23 minutes into what was supposed to be a 30-minute nap that I woke up. Um, I remember turning my breathing, turning into grunts and feeling like my lung, my lungs were collapsing on themselves. And the nurse or tech who was watching and listening to me uh, came on the intercom to ask if I was okay. I couldn't respond. I couldn't control my body anymore. I remember my body and my brain wanting to do completely different things. I was forced to turn to my right by my own brain. Um, So my head jolted to the right and I remember starting to shake uh, really badly. I remember closing my eyes hoping that that would cause the shaking to stop. But apparently that just caused it to get worse. Um, I was unconscious for about four minutes and unresponsive for longer than that. And I woke up. I don't even remember them taking the leads off of my head. Um, I don't remember anything I said to them when I first wake up. 
I remember when I was conscious again, there were about, I want to think there were about eight people in this tiny room, two paramedics outside, and this one blonde lady telling me that they're about to take me to the emergency room. I was so confused. Um, I had no idea what just happened. And then she told me that I had a grand mal seizure. And I had no idea what that meant, honestly. I remember the feeling of losing control of my body and um, not being able to pretty much turn off what was happening in my brain. But I didn't know it got that bad where in the notes it said my right arm and left arm like shot over my head and I started convulsing. Um, And that was pretty scary reading that and not knowing that actually happened. So I was taken to the ER um, right away by the paramedics. And I remember one of the paramedics joking with me. He was really funny. And in the ER, I was started on Keppra right away. Um, And if you don't know what Keppra is, it's a anti-seizure medication and it's really strong. And that day, I also got my driver's license taken away. So that's been something that I have been still getting used to. It's been quite uh, a journey. And um, the next week, I was very groggy and not like myself just because I was starting Keppra and I was trying to make up for what had happened um, during that Thursday. So I was sent for another MRI and they wanted to see if anything changed causing the seizure. And honestly, I had the best tech this time. Like, first of all, I was in the pediatric MRI room. So I was just really happy because there was like fish and really cute stuff on the walls where as the adult ones, it's pretty ugly. So that started off really good. And my tech um, came in to give me contrast. I knew I was going to get it this time because if you get it the first time, you're probably going to get it again another time. And I didn't even feel the needle because he was talking to me and I was just really comfortable this time and knew it was going to be okay. I was still keeping the positive attitude of I can't control what's happening, but I can control how I feel about it and that I can help somebody else when this is all over. Um, And I think that honestly is how I got through a lot of the things that happened. So after the MRI, the mini seizures continued and we met with the first neurologist And we learned that they were seizures. Um, And then next, we got a call from Kaiser saying that I needed to meet with the neurosurgeon 
and I was in shock. I was like, neurosurgeon? Like, why? <laughs> and I told my mom, if I have to have brain surgery, I want the Dr. Shepherd of Kaiser, like the best of the best. Give me Dr. Shepherd from Grey's Anatomy. So my case was looked at by a neurosurgeon, and this wasn't my Dr. Shepherd. Um, we got another call that the first surgeon that looked at my case wasn't comfortable or confident in his abilities um, to do what needed to be done with the mass in my brain, and that they wanted to refer me to the chief of neurosurgery in Vacaville. When I got that call and I was like, okay, whatever we have to do, um, my mom and I laughed actually after the call. I was like, mom, I told you if I needed to have surgery, I wanted Dr. Shepard. So I got Dr. Shepard and we met with him virtually again because COVID. And the first thing he said to me and my mom on our visit was, wow, you're quite the complicated case. And I think that will stick with me forever, honestly, being told that by a neurosurgeon is pretty intense. So he told me that there was a high possibility that I had a low-grade glioma, which is a tumor, and that that was possibly causing the seizures and the focal seizures, but he was going to take my case to a tumor board of 12 other neuro doctors, which included like other neurosurgeons and oncologists and things like that. Um, we talked about what he recommended. Um, and this was the first time that he recommended an awake craniotomy. And that means that I would be awake during surgery. And um, I didn't know what that meant at the time when we first started this whole thing. He kind of explained it to us, but he was more interested in getting me more MRIs and referring me to an epilepsy specialist that he works really closely with. So before we could even talk about having surgery, we needed to get my seizures under control, which is why I needed to meet with the epilepsy specialist. So there was a day that I was sleeping and my mom was at work and it was pretty normal. And I woke up at 6.30 in the morning and had another grand mal. This time, I remember my body convulsing and me being on my back. And I remember me thinking, you need to get over on your side somehow so you don't, like, so you don't die, pretty much. And I don't know how I 
was still convulsing, I remember, but I got on my side. And I told myself I couldn't close my eyes because if I closed my eyes, then I would probably lose consciousness and that it would be over soon and I needed to call my mom. So I kept my eyes open. I was extremely tired and I told myself, just calm down, call mom, just call mom. So um, I called her as soon as it was over, as soon as my breathing went down from the grunting breathing, um, I called her and she left work and I sounded like I had a stroke for about 15 minutes. My dad called me right away um, to stay on the phone with me until my mom got here. And I was taken to Kaiser Morse Avenue, which is the closest neurocenter, and also where my epilepsy doctor is located. And they wouldn't let my mom into the ER because of COVID. And even though I just had a seizure and I wasn't mentally there, so I threw a fit, naturally. (laughs) One, I was hurt because I wanted my mom. Two, I was scared. I just had a huge seizure, seizure, the first one by myself. And my mom works at Kaiser. She knows all of the protocols and she still had her scrubs on from the night before. And this was the day that we learned that in the ER, they really don't do anything for seizures. Um, They watched me for an hour to make sure I didn't have another one and then sent me home. And this was the day that we met with the epilepsy doctor. So we talked to him. Um, He upped my Keppra and told us what to do. Um, if I had another seizure at home and also that we needed to get baby monitors because I couldn't be alone or sleep alone until my seizures were controlled. And he also referred me for a three-day at-home EEG. So that Friday, I went in and was strapped for my 3D at-home study. I honestly was feeling really down at this point, but still trying to remain positive. I was fighting the Keppra, like Keppra makes your moods swing in crazy directions. So I was fighting that. I was fighting the trauma of having grandma seizures, and I was trying to work through that. So, after getting the EEG placed, um, I had to write down every time something happened, even if it was my arm going numb, turning my head to the right, things like that. So, I had two grandmas in one morning um, when I had the EEG on at home. My mom came running in at 4.30 to put me on my side after and to make sure I was okay. I 
don't even remember waking up and starting to grunt. Um, I remember seeing her run to my bed and I was already having a seizure at that point. And after she told me that she heard me start to breathe abnormally and that's how she got there so fast. And we laid on my bed until 5.30 because I was too scared to fall asleep. I had so much adrenaline running in my body. Um, I couldn't fall asleep. And then I decided I wanted to go lay on the couch. So we went and we laid on the couch. And I happened to fall asleep again. And it was 8.30 when I had a second seizure. And this was the first one my mom saw in daylight. So she saw me convulsing and everything like that. And I was exhausted. Um, After seizures, your body is just torn apart. It doesn't feel like you're the same person. So I, I was tired, extremely tired. So we emailed the doctor. And he prescribed us rescue medication because we didn't know when I was going to have another seizure. And we turned in the machine and it turned out I had 27 seizures in 72 hours, which is pretty insane. Um, not 27 grand malls, but 27 seizures, abnormal brain activity in 72 hours. So for me, that meant the medicine wasn't working, um, that something needed to happen. So they increased my Keppra again and added Depakote, um, which is also known as Volproic Acid, and it's another anti-seizure medication. And they were able to pinpoint where the seizures were coming from. And it looked like they were coming from the same area of my brain that the mass was located in. So the surgeon sent me in for more MRIs, for special MRIs, not just your normal 30-minute MRIs. These were two 90-minute MRIs. The first one, um, I was strapped in like normal, but I had to look through a mirror at a TV screen and I had to do things during this one. So I had to think of words on the screen. I had to think of what the pictures were and I had to tap my fingers and it was okay. It honestly wasn't that bad because I was able to do things, but then the next week I went back because they couldn't do both 90-minute MRIs in one day. That would just be too much. And the tech remembered me. The MRI tech remembered who I was. (laughs) And that was cool in like a weird way, I guess. It made me more comfortable too. I thought I was just going to have a normal 45-minute MRI and be done and go home. But no, this was a 90-minute MRI, and I had to sit as still as possible for the entire time. And this was the worst MRI 
I had ever gotten. I got extremely nauseous halfway through. I felt like I was spinning. And then she pushed the contrast and I got the metal taste in my mouth again. There were all these new sounds and they were really just tripping me out. So that was crazy. And I was almost done. And I'd never hit the call button before, but I was about to cry because I was so nauseous and so dizzy and my butt was so sore and I just needed to get out. So she came on the intercom and she told me that she was talking to the radiologist and that they needed four more pictures, four more four-minute pictures. So that kind of adds up to 20 minutes, usually 16, but you have to move the scanner and that kind of thing. So I was guessing about 20 minutes. So I was trying to think of my happy place, you know, stay positive. It's almost over. I can do it. So it ends. Finally, tears are rolling down my cheeks or down my eyes because I'm laying down. And they got me up so slow because I was so sick. Um, They pulled the IV out and (laughs) helped me walk to the dressing room. And I got ready super slow. And I walked out to my mom. And she's like, wow, was that one rough? And I was like, yeah, I don't feel good. And she's like, you don't look good. (laughs) And that was the worst MRI that I'd ever had. And so then after that, that was like late November. And one of those MRIs, you can see my actual brain fibers which is kind of crazy. And you can see where the the mass is and how it's going around the fibers, which also helped them pinpoint where my seizures were coming from. Um, so after we started Depakote, um, my focal seizures, which is a part of your brain, is the focal part where my seizures are located, um, started to get worse on these two medications. I was still turning and my losing the feeling in my right arm and my face would feel like it would start to droop. And a couple times I was drinking when it happened and the water would run down my face because I couldn't stop it from happening. We met with the neurosurgeon again and the epilepsy specialist, and he was more positive that it was a glioma. But he also said it could be focal cortical dysplasia, but that it was looking like a glioma when he talked to all the other doctors. A couple days later, I ended up in the ER with facial and arm numbness more than normal. I was sent for blood work, head CT, and... Then I was sent home. And you guessed it, Saturday morning, bright and early, sent for another MRI. And just kept going with the journey, embracing <laughs> the MRIs. And 
how everything was moving so fast. And thankfully, everything was moving so fast. Christmas Eve, um, I had so many seizures when my family was here. I was extremely tired, extremely frustrated. I had to come to my room to take time to be by myself. And then December 26th was my last grand mal seizure. I woke up from sleeping. I remember my breathing getting weird. Um, but then it stopped. I didn't start convulsing. I was banging on the wall to get my parents to come in. And then my dad came in and he's like, what just happened? And I was like, I think I just had a seizure. I couldn't really talk. Um, but I was like, I don't think it was bad. And he's like, well, it wasn't for that long. I just left the baby monitor for a few seconds. And he's like, you know what that means? It means that the medicine is working. It's starting to work and you have to believe. And I was like, okay, Let's see what happens. November and January were hard until they weren't. And I went through this phase of my focal seizures getting worse. And then I would be okay. But then I would start to fall. Like I would just fall. I was at a fall risk all the time. So that was pretty scary. Everyone had to be watching me at all times. And it was crazy. After becoming such a fall risk at all times, I felt like I needed one of those hospital bracelets, the yellow ones that say fall risk. You're in the healthcare field, you know what I'm talking about. But my focal seizures got so bad. They were happening all the time. It got to the point where my dad was timing them secretly to see f how far apart they were on a Saturday. I remember it was a Saturday because we were doing things and it was really bad. My mom was at work and it was just not a good day. But I was trying to make the best of it, you know live up those 15 minutes apart <laughs> and it was intense um it ended up being 15 minutes and I was scared I was afraid that because this was happening we wouldn't be able to have surgery and I wanted to have the surgery. I wanted the suspected glioma gone. I wanted to stop having seizures. And I was trying so hard to look at the positive things. When life gives you lemons, you have to make lemonade. Well, when you're having seizures every 15 minutes, it becomes kind of funny to me, honestly. That's how I dealt with it. I was like, this is it. I have to live with it until it's figured out. And that's what I did. 
And then the next day, I just needed to get away. I needed a night getaway to clear my head, to figure out what was going on, why I constantly had my arm going numb. And it felt like electrical shortages were moving up and down my arm for so long. We were emailing the neurologist to discuss my new symptoms. And he wasn't sure why it was happening, if it was another seizure, type of seizure, what it was. And I went to the beach. I ate in Capitola. I cheated on keto for the day. Sorry, Dad. I don't think I told you that. <laughs> um, and then the next day, pretty much all my symptoms were gone. My arm wasn't going numb as much. The electrical shock shortages weren't happening. And I think this was the first day that I told my mom that I was starting to feel like myself again. And to be able to say that was astronomical for me. Um, that means I beat the Kepra. I beat the mood swings. And that I was going to be happy and be okay. And that I knew at this point that I wasn't going to go through all of this hell of having seizures and not tell my story or help people. I wanted to stay positive so that when everything calmed down, I could help people. And that's why we're here. I, even if this just relates to someone in the tiniest way, then I'll know that I did what I was supposed to do. I have no doubt that I'm supposed to help somebody, even if I don't know what that means yet, even if it is a podcast. I want someone to know that when life gets hard and you're thrown or things are thrown at you at a million miles per hour and you can't quite wrap your head around it, that it's okay. It's okay to feel the feelings. It's okay to be sad. And it's okay to not be okay and to ask for help. And I think that's super important that we help everybody out and we stay positive because we don't know what tomorrow holds. And that's why I started this podcast. So next week, episode two, we're going to talk about what happened after that January 11th, 12th date and when I started to feel like myself and also how I handled with November through January, how I dealt with all the emotions and the trauma and the crazy things that life threw at me. So I hope you guys liked this episode. It was my first one, so it might be kind of awkward, but I really appreciate you listening, and I'm looking forward to doing this for a while. And yes, thank you.